0: Well, hallelujah, amen. Uh, Brother Rick Joyce, will you come on up here? This is Rick Bergei and Joyce Bergei. They are Rhema graduates. They might have went to school with some of you out there that are Rhema graduates. Uh, when we got saved, you had to get filled with the Holy Ghost and you had to go to Rhema or you had no chance of getting to heaven. And uh, so that's, what we did. that's what we did. So Rick, you uh, were pastoring in Decada, Decatur, Indiana. Yeah. You were that's, over there. Yeah. Safe. I know more about you, than you know about you. You're right. And uh, so you came to my house one day and it's said, curry. "Yep, I'm ready to give up." Yep. I said, "Me too, man." And uh, we curry got. Yeah, we got in the three-tired Volkswagen and ran around the block. No. But we talked, and I said, well, come to church. We're going to get you activated. And you came in, and you took you and Joyce and your three little rugrats, took over the uh, teens and started ministering to them, caring for them. And then you and I went to a church.
1: Never forget it. And uh, Never forget while I
0: was in that church, I thought to myself, you are going to pastor this church. And you ended up pastoring that church.
1: And I didn't want to leave here, neither.
0: No, <laughs> we didn't want you to leave here. But how many years did you pastor at Kokomo?
1: Over 25.
0: Over 25 years.
1: As a senior pastor, yeah.
0: How long were you a pastor? How long am I a pastor? Yeah, you know how to use that microphone? <laughs> I,
1: I'm used to using one like yours. Okay. Yeah, I, I was a senior pastor for 25 years. I'm currently a staff pastor. My oldest son pastors the church now. And all my boys are involved in the ministry.
0: So Jacob had went to Bible college. Uh, World Harvest College. World Conference, Harvest pastor Bible Parsley. College, yeah. And uh, then he went to New York, was it? New Jersey. New Jersey. Right by New York City. Right, and uh, he was youth pastor up there, teens, and uh, had about 400, 450 teens, and uh, then he felt like he should come home. Yep. And came home, and he took it over. You semi-retired, and now it is like one of the top 15 Fastest growing church in America. Did you know that?
1: That's what they say.
0: Well, it's the truth. And, uh, but, uh, you know, God made a place for you there in Kokomo where you didn't have a place. God made a place. And you came into that city, and uh, I don't know how many times you wanted to leave that city with me. And I said, you can't do that. You got to go home to Joyce. And he would uh, come
1: over and preach for me. I had him over as many times as I could. And I always wanted to come back home with him. <laughs> he wouldn't <yeah>. let me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and, uh, but you did a great job and you, uh, ministered with uh, brother parsley about taking care of, uh, some of the churches that were under him. Yeah. And, uh, So you did all of that, and you and Joyce made a place for your kids to come, and they came back, and now the latter end is far greater than the former end. That's right. And uh, you know Mm. who would ever thought that Jacob would have ended up being anything? (laughs)
1: You're absolutely
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I knew he'd be a good kid, but pretty sure you kid. Well, he was no, a good he wasn't kid. <laughs> well, there you he go. He was in the
1: youth group here with your son, <laughs> and he wasn't a good kid. Yeah, I know it,
0: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right there. That's well, Randy the was a problem too. I yeah, do remember that. Yeah, that's the cause of most of my uh, frustrations too. But uh, so you're you're retired, semi-retired, and you you. Uh, don't live in Kokomo anymore, you live about a half hour away. Yeah, we
1: moved to our uh, Westfield campus. We're just five minutes from our Westfield campus now. And Joyce and I serve at the Westfield campus every Sunday. And then we run up to Kokomo about twice a month to attend the service up there
0: too. But in that, this West uh, Westfield. Campus, Westfield campus was given... To Jacob, yeah, and the church, and it was how much three? It's it was
1: 22 acres. It has um, the auditorium seats. What does it seat? Five, five hundred. It's a brand new building. It was a fairly new building, correct? Nice steel building, like you put up here, and they. See, our church in Kokomo, when Jacob turned, turned it over, um, Kokomo is full of drugs, like every small town in America. But we, Kokomo is a terrible, terrible place now. And so all these drug addicts were coming to our church, and they were getting saved.
0: Were they tithing?
1: They didn't start out tithing. Oh, okay. We, did, we didn't want any of them drugs in the, in the basket. So yeah. they didn't start out tithing, no. No. But what happened is, our church became known in the city for addicts to come to. And the addicts would go to other churches, and they, they'd find out they're addicts. Say, oh, oh, no, you don't want to come here. You want to go to that fuel church. <laughs> because most churches don't want to mess with addicts. Guess what? Addicts are good people. Guess what? I was an addict. Yep. I was an addict, a long-haired, hippie, freaky people running around Lima Delphus area. And I got saved in Lima City Jail. A black man led me to the Lord in Lima City Jail. But, but, uh, so addicts start coming to our church, and I don't mean a few, I mean dozens. It's, it's, it is no stretch at any Sunday morning we might have 20 to 40 people or more wearing ankle bracelets in our church. We love them. We love them. We consider it and jewelry. And you can get
0: one out there at the counter for nineteen We've got duplicates. I'm kidding, Rick. I didn't hear what you said. Uh, I said, sorry. we got duplicates of those bracelets. Yeah, put them yeah. on your ankle.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, our, and our churches grew rapidly. And it's all by the grace of God, you know. It, it truly is. And, and numbers doesn't equate godliness, Paul told Timothy. But numbers do tell you a little bit of what's going on. And our church grew to 11, 1,200 people before COVID, and and now we're running 7, 800. But here here's what I want to tell you that we just celebrated seven years that Jacob took over to church and we just celebrated 10,000 documented people got saved in our altars at Fuel Church, 10,000. We just, next week we're going to do it. We already have the money. There are companies, they, they will buy up all the um, medical debt. And so we're sowing $10,000 and buying up that medical debt, and it's covering a million and a half dollars of medical debt. That's what our church is doing. Now, I said all that to say this, that that church wouldn't even be there except it weren't for pastors Peter and Philip Stosek. It wouldn't even be there. It would not be there. It wouldn't be there. And and here's the thing. Uh, And and I came to Pastor and Phyllis broken. And they so graciously, so graciously poured into Joyce and I. But not just into Joyce and I, into our three young boys at that time. And we began to attend church here. I just felt lost. But as Pastor Dosik will remember Every service I'd end up in the altar. Pop- probably people thought I was doing drugs again. I don't know. But I was just so hungry for God and hungry for the will of God. And pastor just gave me opportunity after opportunity to minister and to use my gifts. And then the vacancy came about in Kokomo in this church and went through a terrible, terrible time. And I'll I, I never forget it. Sunday night after the service, pastor said, I want to talk to you and Joyce in Joyce, my office after the church. And I thought, oh, boy, what would Joyce do now? <laughs> and so we went into his office and sat down, and Pastor Dosick sat behind his desk, and he started him hauling around, and that's not like Pastor Dosick. He knows what he wants to say. Come on. And he just kept him hauling around, and then he started crying. I thought, what did Joyce do? We thought we were to... I thought he was going to ask us to leave the church. And finally, he told us about the opportunity in Kokomo. And he said, I think you ought to go past that church. I said, I don't want to. I want to stay right here with you. I don't want to. I've tried that. I've tried pastoring. I don't want to. And he looked at me and pointed his finger at me. He said, You need to fast and pray and find the will of God for this matter. So I took two weeks. I fasted and prayed. One night I prayed the entire night. My family got up in the morning, I'm still fasting and praying. And and God spoke to me, spoke to Joyce, and then we were concerned about moving our sons again. He spoke to Jacob, all three of us, and said we needed to go. And so we went in obedience. And you might think, well, everything was great then. Oh, no, that's when all hell broke out. Man. That's <laughs>
0: right, buddy. That's
1: when all hell broke out. There were time after time where I wanted to come back to OBM. I didn't want nothing to do with Kokomo. And pastor just kept pouring into me. I'd come over here, and Pastor Phyllis would encourage us and, and just pour into our lives. And Joyce and I would not be what we are today were it not for our pastor's. Peter and Phyllis Dosick. We just wouldn't be what we are today. And you know, I, I went through a terrible time uh, a few years back, a terrible time. It was the lowest point in my Christian walk. And pastor came over, drove over time and time and time again, would minister to me and minister to my family and try to breathe new life into our lives. And guess what, Pastor? It worked. It worked. It
0: Hallelujah.
1: <laughs> it worked. We got yeah. through that. I got through it, and thank God for it. But it, it, here, here's the thing, Pastor. You just didn't invest in the Joyce and I. You invested in Jacob, Isaac, and Joel. They are all married. We have seven grandchildren, one on the way. Our oldest grandchild, Isaiah, goes to Highlands, Bible College in Birmingham, Alabama. He would not be there had it not been for Pastor and Phyllis. No, you impacted our family. And that's what pastors do. They impact your family. They make you become more than you ever dreamed you could become. Now, not all of you are called to be pastors, and you ought to lift up both hands right now and thank God for that. But you're called, and if you'll submit yourself, I mean totally to these pastors, to this ministry, and jump in the middle of what's going on and put your hand to the plow, I'm telling you, you will become more than you ever thought you could be. Your marriage will be better than you ever thought it could be. Your children will be better than you ever thought it could be. And you're going to have a lineage of faith just like Joyce and I and Pastor and Phyllis do now. But, but they just didn't impact Joyce and I's life. <laughs>
0: You're done. Hallelujah! Give Rick and Joyce a good round. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ashley, give me my song. Then let's. May His
2: favor be upon <laughs> you and a thousand generations, and your family and your children and their children. Their children. May his presence go before before you and behind you and and beside you, all around you you. and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in the coming, in the going, in your weeping and rejoicing. he He is for you, he is for you, he is for you. For you, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you.
0: praise. Let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs eighteen twenty one. We are in a little mini-series here about life and death are in the tongue, but it's more than that. Life and death, because they have a place to flow from, means that words are really given to us to deal with the issues of life. Too many times the church acts like the world. I'm not saying that you you can't. It's just, it's better if you don't. And... uh, So we're going to talk about life and death. Words, the power of the tongue dealing with the issues of life. Dealing with the issues of life. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Life and death. Think of that. What if we just believed that? What would we say? What would we talk? How would we talk? We certainly would not want to curse men made in the similitude of God. We wouldn't really want to happen to our spouses what we say about them we wouldn't want our kids to end up being a numbskull like we branded them with but this is just the icing on the top this is just the beginning of the unbelief that blinds us from living by faith and I don't don't mean that oh man everything about faith well you ought to live by faith certainly But let's begin believing the basic things about our faith. And words are very important. Life and death are in your tongue, are in your tongue. Now, the Bible says in Hosea 4, 6 that my people are destroyed, laid waste, rampaged, destroyed, obliviated, annihilated. Because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. Somebody say a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. And we are not to be ignorant. We are to be skillful. Somebody say skillful. We are to be used by God, led of His Spirit, trained and organized, our steps ordered, our thoughts ruled by the Scripture, by the Bible. And when we are not, what happens is we get carnally minded. And if you get carnally minded, you're just on a slide headed one way, and that's down. Because you will not believe God, you will always abort any opportunity to trust or to express faith in God and then what will happen is you will never ever activate the things that God has given you to activate to live life in it more abundantly. More abundantly. God wants you to have more abundance. Now when we talk about words, the first thing that we hear is the foolishness. Oh, that's just foolish. And it is. Words seem so insignificant in our world today. We don't even want to talk on the phone anymore. We want to text. I mean, my grandkids won't answer their phone, and me going down for the third time. But if I text them, they are texting me back before I have even hit send. Yeah. How? Listen, I'm telling you. That words, oh, and don't even get me on Ceres. The other day I was typing a guy's name, it came up something else, and I just text him back and say, "Series going through menopause, forgive her. I mean, he, he, she called him a name he doesn't even, isn't. It. He was, it was a woman's name for a man. You don't want to do that to people especially when they outweigh you 50 pounds. Anyway, this man couldn't hear a voice. Have you ever seen two kids texting one and the other and they're in the same room? Yeah. That's not good. I remember when, my, when I was being raised, yes, no. I'll knock you into the other room. And we believed all those statements. So we have to realize that words have lost their significance in the world that you and I live in. Have lost their significance. Now, the law, somebody say the law. That means these principles of God, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, when I say that, let's get a couple of things straight. Number one, sinners do not possess the power of life and death. They're dead. They're dead in Christ. So don't tell your kid, oh, don't say that, honey. Be blessed. If they're a sinner, let them say whatever they want to say. Because they have no life in them. Their words are void of God fulfilling them on their behalf. Now, I know you might get mad. I I just can't believe that. Well, please do. Do believe what I just told you. And the other thing is that when we talk about the laws of the spirit of life and when we talk about life and death in the power of tongue, Whether you believe it or not, it's working for you. If you're constantly talking about death, death is creeping into every hole and every crack and every nook of your life to cut off the life source of God. Thus, destroy your faith. See, just because you don't believe something in the Bible doesn't mean it doesn't work. This is a true story. There was a car accident and the paramedics and firemen showed up and there was this light pole that was involved and it disconnected and snapped away from The pole. And so, when it fell, it hit the ground. Well, people were saying, well, it's disconnected. It can't be hot. Said the hot dog that got too done. Well, I'll tell you what happened. One of the paramedics, as they were coming out, got too close to what he thought was a dead wire and it arced about two and a half foot. That means it jumped from the wire to his leg. It killed him instantly and put his partner into the hospital in a critical state. That's a true story. Now you might not think Well, yeah, but the wire was disconnected. Well, evidently, that's not enough because there are two people that are in heaven or hell because they didn't think it worked like they said. Now, I'm talking to you about the life and death and the power of the tongue. Now, you can talk however you want to talk. But what you can't do is complain about the results. And so we're going to talk about the power of the tongue. The first thing I want you to realize is 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, says that there are in this world so many voices. Mother-in-law, father-in-law, wife... Kids, neighbors, everybody has an opinion. They're like noses. And everybody wants to stick them into your business. And everybody is smarter than you. You know, when people say, if you like my opinion, I say, no, I'm not that stupid. But what happens is everybody's got an opinion. Everybody wants to tell you what's right or wrong. Everybody wants to show you how to do it. So I want to talk to you today when it says in First Corinthians, the 14th chapter, when it says every voice is there for a reason. Now the reason that word simnitude simply means this, that every word, somebody say every word, Not just some, I say every word. Come on, say every word. Every word word is like. I don't need this to hold my britches up, but I do need for it to come off. Oh, I can't take that off. Never mind. Give me your belt, Randy. You don't need a belt. Frank, you got a belt? Please, thank you. This is a size 80. All right. You see this? Every word is like a threshold. And the threshold is an entry or an exit to people's lives. Every voice has a purpose behind it. Now, you and I are smart enough to know that we should not talk death. But sometimes these voices get into our head and we don't think that anything's going to come about. Oh, but it is. Ask the paramedic. Doesn't matter if you believe it. Well, I just don't believe that. Uh, Blab it and grab it. Well, okay, don't believe it. I don't believe in talking faith. Well, how'd you get saved? Maybe you aren't. But that's another subject another day. But every word. Somebody say every word. Come on, somebody say every word. Every word has a threshold waiting for a spiritual being to come through this threshold and have access to you and yours because of your words. The Bible says... Psalms 141, God teach me and put a watch upon the door of my lips. Do you know that your lips are what activates that threshold? And David asked God's help to control his to control his. The word door means to preserve. It means to protect from danger. It means to guard. It means to be kept. It means to close. It means to besiege like a city. So this door right here either opens up doorways of spiritual encounterments and conflict with demon forces or it opens the door for those that are sent by God to help us that are encamped all around about us. Now, what kind of visitors do you have shown up at your house? And then it means that it's a door or a chest. Have you ever seen a spooky movie? They open up this chest, and up out of it comes this old snarly-looking cloud. That's the connotation. If you open up old boxes that your Christian grandma and grandpa shut, it's time for you to stop fooling with the chest. The lips means there are boundaries. In other words, it's a place of transition. Spirits over here cannot make the transition except by your words except by your words what words are you speaking what spirits are coming from the world that is around you into the world that you are a part of wow We are to make sure that we do not open up doors to devils, to spiritual forces that are pressing, pressing. I watched the ghost movie one time, and I don't like them because it seems too real. Casper is one thing, but this was a different. But they showed this wall in this haunted house, and it showed that these faces and hands and arms were pushing up on it like it was a piece of latex ready to break at any time. And I said, "Well, I ain't watching that thing anymore. Too spooky. You know, there's ghosts in this woods or something. or whatever it was." Well, I'm not watching that anymore. Phil says I'm big enough to defeat those devils. I saw them. And so it's like these demons and these powers, I'm not trying to overemphasize demons, but I do want you to realize that devils are real. It's not just good and bad influences. Devils are real. And they're waiting for you to open this place of transference into your family. Wow, into your family. Jesus said these words, I'm going to shut a door that no man can open, and I'm going to open a door that no man can shut. Now, how does Jesus do that? He gives you the revelation of the power of life and death lying within your tongue. And if you don't pay attention, Hosea 4, 6 says you could be destroyed. Wouldn't it be a horrible thing? Now, I have seen families like this, and so has Phyllis where we've been called in and we have found seven and eight-year-old kids sitting in a corner with meat cleavers that had been chopping down the door trying to kill their parents. We've been called in by the police and said, can you help us with this kid? Because through the day, he'd just go up through and... He'd take a knife and just slice people's screams. Well, I tell you, I'd have grabbed him by the neck, maybe. But he might have fought back and somebody would have died. The town was terrified of this little kid. Well, Phyllis and I went there And before the exorcist ever happened, Phyllis and I saw the exorcist. I mean, I brought that young man into my house, and as soon as we hit the house, he threw up this green log about that long and about that big around about that long, and it hit the counter of our sink, and it ran down to the drain and went down the drain. Now, at that time, Phyllis would say she was lukewarm instead of saying she was backslid. But before that devil could reach the sink, Phyllis could be heard at the other end of the house, Oh, Jesus! And that's a true story. And there are hundreds of them. I've cast out a lot of devils by the grace and the power of the name of Jesus. And I know that many of you have too. But Jesus opens the door and he closes the door. How does he do it? The same way he binds and looses men and women. By you. The words that Jesus gives you are words that transport the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness into this world that you're a part of. Now, someplace, this little boy got demon-possessed. I don't know if it was his father, his mother. I don't know if it was a living atmosphere I don't know just like I don't know your house but I'm warning you for your house that you don't allow spirits that are separated from the righteous to have an opportunity to come in Matthew 21 and verse 2. Could I have that on the screen? Matthew 21 and verse 2. Oh, man, hey. Saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say odd unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Now think of this. Jesus tells these disciples, Go to the other city, and you'll find an ass and a colt tied up. I want them both. And I want you to untie them. And if anybody says anything, Peter, don't grab your sword. He said, what I want you to do is say these words. Now, this donkey and this ass belonged to another person. But some way, when Jesus spoke these words, something happened from the kingdom of God to that household that that man just said, sure, go ahead and take them. Is that what you would do to your donkey? No, you wouldn't. But words do what? Open doors. Somebody say open doors. Open doors. The Bible tells us as we praise God, as we praise the king of glory, that gates fly open and he descends into our presence. So it tells us that Jesus gave them a word. What was the word? The word really was a key to a door. And once that door is unlocked by that key that is found right here in these scriptures, once it unlocks the door, nobody can lock it back but you. I hope I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Did we already get the offering? Okay, I'm kidding you. When God puts a word in your mouth, nothing can stop it, no matter what type of resistance it will meet. Remember the centurion that said, would you come and heal my servant? He's sick. And Jesus said, of course, I'll come. And he said, no, 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 you don't need to come. Just speak the word and he'll be healed. When he spoke that word, healing came through the door. He didn't have to be there. Healing came through the door. He didn't have to scream. Healing came through the door. That's why when God says something to you, when you want the door open, say what God said to say. If you want something locked that has been opened in maybe a place where you forgot that there was power in death and in life and it came through your tongue, then you want to declare what God said He would do, and that door will be shut, and the devil will not get in. Amen. Amen. Mark 4:35 says that they headed to the other shore, their storm arose up, and Jesus stood up, and he said, "Peace, be still. A door!" opened up the sea become calm Jesus rebuked it because he knew it was not of God This is the kind of power that is in your mouth This is a kind of power that the devil has used us to misuse so that he could come into our households and our families. John 14, 20, 26 says, The Holy Ghost will come, and when he comes, he'll bring everything that I said to you back to your remembrance. That's what you want to say. Say. Don't say what you're seeing or what you're feeling. I remember Phyllis used to say to me when we first got saved, I hate you. I said, now you know you're a liar because God said that believers love one another. Now at that time, I, would, I don't know if she was a believer or not. Maybe just a evil, wicked tongue. <laughs> Look. She didn't mean that, but it really didn't matter because when she said that, hurt, insecurity, rejection stepped into my life. How am I going to act when I get away from her? Am I going to say, well, she don't care. I'm lonely tonight. I'm so lonesome I could cry. What am I going to do? Remember, these words have come. They might not be demonic, but they are emotional destroyers. You men ought to think that, you women ought to think that about your kids and about your spouses. Nothing happens until you take what God said and put in your mouth. Not that he doesn't want it to happen, but in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, Until God said, light be, the Holy Ghost did nothing. You can want things with all your heart, but until you use the doorway that God told us, life and death are in the power of your tongue, start dealing with the issues of life With your vocabulary. Could it get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes Phyllis doubts how good I am. And I tell her, I'm the best thing you could have got. And she tells me, You're the only thing. I'm the only thing you could have (laughs) got. you don't want to talk like that to your spouse, do you? Is that what you want when she leaves the house thinking that she's not important to you? No. You only let her think like that when you're on vacation and you can watch her. Now, I'm telling you, your words will destroy everything about you. Your words can destroy everything about your spouse. I was looking in the mirror the other day, and I've been trying to... Have you ever heard the thing, what you look at, you become? Well, I've got like 14 bottles of aftershave lotion lined up. I've been buying them for years. And I'm just telling you, I'm not looking like none of them. But the truth of the matter is, you start opening doors to hurt, rejection, lovelessness, disappointment, discouragement, criticism. You're not the friend of God. You are not the friend of God. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just stand to our feet, raise our hands up to Jesus. He has given us a glimpse into the doorways Of two kingdoms one is of God call upon me in the time of trouble and I will answer you the other is of the devil don't believe God he's never done anything for you two voices both looking for a door of transference Believe God. Believe God. You have this right here. Put it in your mouth. Don't don't make it up. Don't get somebody's book. Just open this up and read it. Take what God had put in you. Put it in your mouth and say it. Say it, say it, say it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I believe that today you are going to change your words to nothing but a life filled with God vocabulary. Emotions will not stop you. Fear will not stop you. God is faithful to a thousand generations. Hallelujah. If you are here today, there's only one thing that can allow God to come into your life, and that is your decision. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to confess him with your mouth that confession opens the door and God takes you out of the kingdom of darkness puts you in the kingdom of his dear son and from personal experience I will tell you this God never Turn me down. He came. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're here today, you're backslidden, whatever the state is, and you just say, I just need a touch from God. I just need a touch from God. that you here today Ashley can you go ahead and sing something And as she's singing this if you come with somebody ask them to come with you we've all had to make this journey in order to stand in front of the door Jesus said I am the door father speak to people's hearts lives how much you love them, how much you care for them, how much you want them to come into the house of faith. In Jesus' name. Can you sing that, Ashley?
2: This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise.
0: Don't wait for tomorrow. Today's your day. It's the greatest time of the service that you and I put our attention on Jesus.
2: This
0: is a house of healing. Is there a man named here by the, by the name Carl, and you have an injured shoulder? Carl, and you have an injured shoulder. If that's you, please get out of the aisle and come down here. And uh, hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Come on, if that's you today, Carl, or if you're here and you're not a Christian, today is your day.
2: We sing, come alive in the name of Jesus, come alive in the name of Jesus, this is a house of miracles. Feet the the name name of Jesus, Jesus. everything, everything. In, in the name, name of Jesus. Jesus. This is in a house of miracles.
0: Mm. Okay, we're getting ready to wrap the service up. Hallelujah! 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 thank you jesus hallelujah everybody lift your hands up and just say thank you jesus for showing me how to allow the kingdom of god to come into my life that i can shut a door that no one can open And I can open the door that no man can shut. Father, I thank you for my salvation. For Jesus. For my name being written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Father, bless every home. Bless every business. Bless every marriage, every couple, God. God, stir their hearts one to another in fresh love, fresh passion. And God, I ask you to keep every household that, God, their seed, their seed will be filled with an example of the life of Christ. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. See you Wednesday evening. In
2: the name of